Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, and we're getting ready for the NFL Draft. Are you ready? Honestly, I have no feel at all for what the Eagles might do at pick number 12, and it sounds like everything is on the table. That's what General Manager Howie Roseman said when he, Andy Whitehall, Vice President of Player Personnel, and Head Coach Nick Sirianni met the media on Wednesday, a press conference that really didn't yield a whole lot. And as we begin this podcast, let's start right there. Well, the Eagles made the deal, as you know, with the Miami Dolphins, trading out of the number six spot, throwing in a fifth-round pick, and in return, receiving the 12th pick overall in this draft, as well as a fourth-round pick from Miami this year, and Miami's first-round draft pick in 2022. By all measurables, it was a good deal for the Eagles. But why did they make the deal? Roseman addressed that very topic on Wednesday afternoon. Well, the reason we traded back from 6 to 12 was because flexibility creates opportunity. And for us, um, having an extra first-round pick, well, when you go back and look at things that are hard to acquire, that's one of the hardest things to acquire is a team's first-round pick in the following year and to move back six spots. But what we really had to do is sit there and go, who are the 12 players in this draft we would feel really good about? Are there 12 players in this draft that we feel really good about? And I think that's that's what we're going to do throughout this draft. If you move back, it's because you feel like you have a bunch of guys that are the same value and you'd be really happy getting one and getting the extra volume from that pick. You know, if you move up, it's because your board kind of drops off at that point. And if you select, it's because you feel like it, it's the last player in that sort of range. And so um, when we discussed this, I think those were really uh, the things we were discussing about moving back. And when you're moving back early, you have to feel like you're getting a premium. And we felt like uh, we were getting a premium to do that. Otherwise, from the press conference, not a whole lot, really. None of the media asked about the Eagles' new additions, nor did they ask about any injuries. They did ask Sirianni about Jalen Hurts. Would Sirianni commit to Jalen Hurts as the quarterback? Here is what Coach Nick had to say as the team just a couple of days into its virtual offseason program. Yeah, I mean, to say, to name any starters at this particular time, I just, we've been working with these guys for two days, right? We've been working with these guys for two days. My biggest thing is competition. It's, again, we've talked a little bit about my core values. It's my second core value. It's this team's second core value. Competition's a huge thing. Um, And we're going to have competition at every position. And then this from Andy Weidel, who is really a huge part of the draft process, talking about how with a new coaching staff matching up their wants and desires with the personnel evaluation, a very important part of the process, Weidel said, that is coming along very smoothly. You know, when, uh, when Coach Sirianni got here with his staff, we, we got together with our, with our scouts on a Zoom call, and they went over and laid out with great clarity you know, their offense, their defense, what they're about. And uh, we got everybody in sync and, and it got everybody on the same page. And a lot, of the, a lot of the work we did in the fall, you know, we, we're bringing it over and there's some carryover on, on defense, but there's also some nuances. And uh, the main thing is just getting on the same page. And I think we did that. And we had an excellent week of meetings last week where you saw the chemistry 
between the coaching staff and the scouts develop and really evolve. And uh, I think we're building on that. And I think what's even more exciting is that we're going to get all our scouts in here next week in person. And, you know, we're going to get that connection and that chemistry is going to continue to build. And, uh, you know, it, it comes back to know, know what you're looking at and know what you're looking for. And, you know, Coach Sirianni, Coach Gannon, Coach Dyke, and their staff, they did a really good job of laying that out for us with clarity. Okay, so that's what we know from Howie and Nick and Andy. I will interview them the day before the draft. I'll ask them a lot of different questions. Make sure you tune in to the Eagles Insider Podcast just before the draft kicks off, and we'll have that complete interview for you next week as the Eagles finalize their draft board and get ready for a draft that everyone agrees they must do well in to rebuild this roster. And you honestly could look at every corner of the roster and say, yeah, the Eagles could use some help there for sure. Could use some help here and there. All right, on this Eagles Insider Podcast, we're going to take a look at the Eagles, one of the free agent additions who's a very familiar face, uh, Jordan Howard. He'll join us in just a bit. But we are continuing our Meet the Coaches segments here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. And this time, it's Jason Michael, tight ends coach. He's been in the league 16 years, and he's worked with some great ones I really enjoyed this conversation. Sit back and listen. The New Eagles tight ends coach, Jason Michael. Hi, Jason. Great to meet you. Uh, welcome to Philadelphia. Um, well, I guess first, that's the first question. What What's your experience in Philadelphia been like uh, these couple of months? And had you spent a lot of time in Philly prior to prior to these last few months? Really, I hadn't, Dave. It's 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 been great. Um, you know, like like everything over the past year and a half or whatever, it's it's everything's been a little bit crazy. So you know, you, the season's over um, after last year, and then you know, obviously a new opportunity, get a chance to come to Philly. Um, you know, we were up there for a few weeks at the very beginning, um, and then like the the entire country, the entire world of working virtual, uh, we took off for a few weeks, then came back for a few weeks. Um, and then, you know, just in that process of going back and forth. So it's, it's, it's been great, you know, in terms of just the staff of getting to know everybody, um, you know, you're in this, you know, game long enough, there's a number of guys that you've worked with and, and, you know, fortunately here, you know, with obviously with, with coach Sirianni and and Shane Steichen and, you know, Kevin Petulo, there's a number of guys that I've worked with, you know, either in Indianapolis or in San Diego or different places. So, so that transition has been good. Uh, from a working standpoint, and then just getting a chance to see the city, uh, go eat some good food, and, and, and you know, the few times that, you know, we got a chance to go out and do a couple of things like that. So it's been good. Do you, do you feel like you've seen it all in the NFL? I mean, have you been around long enough to feel like you've seen it all, or is, is every day a new experience? Well, I think you have to treat every day as a new experience. It's, it's one of those things that we, we kind of joke. It's like you, you can never let anything surprise you. So, you know, it's, it's you, you know, it's the, the minute you think you, you've got it figured out or you think it's it's gone, you know, the way you will, something else happens, something else changes. And, you know, even again, you know, everybody says it over the last year. That's what, you know, the NFL, the game, the way you do things has become more than ever of, you know, being able to adjust and adapt. I mean, it's, it's you know, this year uh, was unique and it's something I think all of us will always remember just about how the process um went and what we had to change, what we had to do, you know, so many things that people don't understand from, you know, the buildings of all that, of having to change meeting rooms, how we did things for so long. Um, and I think the teams that, that were able to do that, um, you know, had those successes, especially, you know, as, as the year went along, when you can figure those out, it helped. And, and, and um, you know, I think that's, 
you hate to say, but is that the new norm? So you've got to be able to do those things. And until we get back, you know, what is the new norm going to be? Yeah, no, no, we don't, we don't want this to be the new norm. Um, Agree. I, I find it interesting. You uh, played quarterback in college. You coached the position in the NFL and also, of course, the tight end position. And I wonder what that has been like, the relationship a quarterback and a tight end have to have. And, and I mean, having played it and having coached it, does that help you in your current role? I, I think it does, you know, and I've always said this, Dave, it's, it's to me, other than the quarterback playing tight end, you know, especially in this system, um, the, this offensive system that we run and have run and have been around, you know, it's, it's the second hardest position to play. You know, you're, you're, you're playing wide receiver, you're playing running back, you're playing offensive line. Um, you do it in a right-handed stance, a left-handed stance off the ball with motion movement, lining up everywhere. So, you know, essentially the tight end has to know everything, you know, and, and because of that, um, I think from a coaching standpoint and from a playing standpoint, I've always coached every position that I've been from the quarterback's perspective. And I think the game revolves around that. Uh, and the more, especially in the passing game, the more that a tight end can understand, hey, look, if, you, if you're going to inside release on this, the quarterback is going to be off of you, you know, in terms of what the release, the leverage, those type things of uh, little nuances, you know, to the reads or how the quarterback's going to read it. Um, I think especially in the past game, um, able to do that. And, 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 you know, again, having played that position of knowing, Hey, look, when, when the quarterback sees this, it's either good or bad. So, so yeah, I think that's always helped me, um, you know, coaching the tight end position. And what about being an offensive coordinator where you were, you were in Tennessee, a coordinator in 14 and 15, has that added to your, I don't know, like the overall knowledge of, how an offense works and how every piece has to fit in place. Sure. Naturally. And, and, you know, going back, yes. And then especially, you know, I've been very, very fortunate to have been around some very talented tight ends. Um, you know, going back to early in my career, you know, in San Francisco with, with Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker, you know, with Antonio Gates in San Diego, go to Tennessee as the coordinator, um, you know, and had Delaney again there. Um, and then you go in Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox, Trey Burton, those guys, and you get a chance to be around different types. And I think the more guys that you're around, you know, of the different body types, of the different positions, um, as a coach, you see how those guys are successful, what they do to become successful and how they, they, they you know, ideal, you know, their game or how they, they, they do certain things. And, you know, as a coordinator, you know, it's your job to be able to put the system together, you know, put guys in the best position. And, and that's the same thing as a position coach. You learn what that, those guys do to be successful. And therefore, you know, you get a better understanding, you know, when you get different body types, different players of how you, you know, put them in the best position to, to be successful. You named some pretty darn good tight ends there. And I guess, I mean, look, for me, at the top of the list would be Antonio. Um, is he the standard at tight end that, that you kind of look for? Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many different types. Um, and, and I'll say this, Antonio was one of the early players that opened the door for that non-traditional tight end. You know, I think most people know Antonio played basketball in college. Um, you know, he went to Michigan State initially um, to play football and basketball. So it wasn't as if he never played, but he played uh, and had a very successful basketball career. Um, and then his story, you know, a, a lot of us know that of, you know, of how he got to the point he did. The thing about Antonio, I'll say is, you know, he played basketball on the football field. He understood space 
and how to create space probably more than any player I've ever been around. Um, and, you know, to this day, you know, he, you know, he's, um, in a, in a short area quickness standpoint. Now he had great speed. He did. He had good speed, but he was probably the most explosive and quickest of just being able to put his foot in the ground and get out of it. So those certain traits and certain things that he was able to do. Yeah. I think we're always looking, I mean, I'd love to have five more Antonio Gates. Uh, I think we all know the real reality of that's not, not true, but, uh, or, or not going to happen, but, um, but certain things that he was able to do and a little bit of how this system was put together early on with him in that, um, some of those routes and some of those things that he was able to do in the red zone, um, some of those certain things of being able to get him touches and get him balls. We're always looking for guys that, that, that can do those things. But, you know, I think, you know, the position has evolved so much um, over the last 10, 12, 15 years, you know, the, the, since I've been in um, of probably more skill specific than it ever was, you know, before. I mean, there's so many different body types and so many different tight ends. I mean, look, you go into college, there's a lot of these tweener athletes that are, you know, big receivers, you know, if they didn't become a pass rusher, you know, you know, where do they play these basketball types? If they're not playing basketball, what are they doing? And and I think guys like Antonio Gates open that door to where now it's like, um, yeah, I mean, we're still looking for that, that traditional blocker if you can. Um, but those body types have almost become harder to find than the, than the, the skilled athletes. And, but you're, I think you're trying to find, you know, obviously the easy answer is the most complete player, but, but you're trying to find the most complete group. It's so interesting, Jason. And, and uh, off of the, what you just said, I, I've got about five questions. And I guess we'll start with the evolution of the tight end. The, the ponderous blocking inline guy has gone away. Why? Why has the has that happened? Is it the evolution of the spread of the offense? Is it just to create more matchup problems? I mean, in your mind, just taking it back, even maybe before you coach in the NFL, yeah. why has it changed so much? Oh, I think you hit on it there. Um, I think high school football has led into college football, bled into that. I think college football obviously bleeds into the NFL. Um, there's not as many teams that line up with a with a wide tight end, a blocking tight end, you know, um, in, in today's game. So those guys are harder to find. And, and I think the, the game has changed to where, hey, it is more about um, spreading the field, you know, than it used to be. You know, using all 53 and a third yard, you know, in terms of spreading the field, using space and all those things. And you, you, you don't find as much um, playing in a box you know, where you're going to get eight, nine, 10, 11 man boxes. Now there's times to do that. And, and and we all know we want that blocking tight end when we're in a short yardage or a goal line and those run situations where, Hey, everybody in the stadium knows we're going to run it. You know, can, can you do that? Um, but I think it's a, a combination of all those things um, of, of the game evolving. And then, you know, also, you know, just the, the way we play and the way the game's played a little bit more. Um, but that's not to say that we're not always trying to find that type. Um, but it's, it's a little bit of, you know, when you build the roster, when you're finding those guys, you want to find, you know, guys that can do multiple things and guys that can do as much as they can. Um, and maybe when you find that big tight end, maybe he doesn't quite run well enough to to give you the contribution on special teams or to be able to, you know, do enough to where it justifies, okay, hey, it's that balancing act of what, what you're doing, as, as, not only as an offense, but as, as a team when it comes to, you know, building that roster. So in your career, Jason, what has it been like 
getting somebody like an Antonio Gates or Vernon Davis or these great pass catchers and say, hey, um, you have to block. Like, do they want to learn how to block? Are they reluctant to learn how to block? What's the process been like? Well, I think, again, through that whole um, evaluation process, you know, you have guys that that are point of attack players that are, you know, blockers. Um, you have other guys that not that they don't want to or, you know, but they're just not built that way. And I think you're always trying to find the guys that are willing. And, 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 and you know, I always use that word and it's probably loosely used. But, you know, is he a willing blocker? Is he willing to do it? Does he have the effort to do it? Maybe he's in a bad position. You know, sometimes and, and he, he can't block a defensive end. He can't, you know, there's he's just physically, you know, he just doesn't um, have the anchor for it. He doesn't have the. Yeah. The, he, the, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. The strength, the anchor, the, the build to be able to do it. Now, I think that's our job as coaches. You know, again, going back to, you know, you, you always want to put your players in the best position to be successful. Um, and that's where we're always looking at different ways to be able to, you know, hide a guy or put him in a position on the backside or maybe if he can't hold up as a as a you know come off and drive block a defensive end maybe it's slicing back across to where he can use movement and his athleticism to be able to do it maybe instead of putting him on the defensive end you get a chance to to arc release or put him on on the on the safety or the linebacker and put him in a better matchup situation but but in terms of not you know, wanting to block, you know, you hope you, you find the guys that are willing and want to and have the effort. And then, it, again, it goes back to us as coaches to put them in a position to be successful with the matchup they have. You know, everybody always thinks, you know, matchups are in the passing game. You know, those matchups are in the run game as well. You know, if a guy's going to be overpowered or overmatched, let's find the best position to put him in uh, to, to, to be successful. And then we all know um, a play gets checked. Injuries happen throughout the season. You know, and that's where you've got to continue to, to develop those players and put them in position to when they do have to do uh, something maybe that they're not as, as skilled at or not as, you know, build, built for. Um, the, 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 they've got to do that at times. And that's where the, the effort, the willingness and, and, and those things come into play. OK, a little chicken and egg here. Uh, chicken, egg, player, coach. Does a great player make a great coach? Does a great coach make a great player? Is there, is there an easy answer there? I don't think it's an easy answer. I mean, I'm, I'm a much better, uh, much better coach with with Antonio Gates, with Delaney Walker, with Vernon. There's no doubt about that. Um, um, but I think those guys are great because of how they go about things, and I think they continue, you know, for guys to have uh, extended success and for guys to play as long as they do. Um, obviously, it's about their skill set, but but. As they and, and I think Antonio is a great example of that. You know, he was successful long before you know I got there. Um, but I think you look at the latter part of his career, when 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 the physical talents start to wear down a little bit, guys get older. You know, um, they don't run quite as fast. They they're not quite as you know as explosive or those things. Then something else has to happen. Okay, then that's where hey, their knowledge of the game, being able to understand leverage, technique, coverage. Um, to where they can have and play with accelerated vision and play fast or be a step ahead of the defense or the defender. Um, and I think that's where, you know, as a coach, you hope you um, teach and put them in position and, 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 and explain to them the understanding of, hey, how is the defense trying to attack you to where they can, you know, be a step ahead. 
So, but but there's no doubt it's it's this is a player's game in regards to that, and and, and those players you know make us much better coaches. But we're there to make sure you know from an accountability standpoint or from a developmental standpoint that they continue to you know understand the the the, the mental part of the game and to where they can make their physical talents the best they can be. Did playing the game help you as a coach? Has it helped you kind of? And winning a championship at Western Kentucky. And I mean, has that really helped you understand what players are going through? I, I think so. Yes. I mean, there's no doubt when you, when you, when you play the game, when you've played the game, when you've played the quarterback position, um, I think you think the game different from the quarterback. Um, you know, I was not, a, I was not a, a, an overly talented player by any means, but but I knew those guys around me were much better than me. So, so I was, you know, I, I say I was good at getting the ball into the hands of the people that were, and that was my job. Um, but I think any time that you, you, you've played the game and know what those guys have gone through, um, it's a little different, you know, have I ever put my hand in the dirt and, and, and block, you know, drive block someone or no, but you know, I've been around those guys that do and understand, you know, from a, from a coverage technique, front you know what those things are to be able to explain okay hey this guy's in this position because of the front or defense that they're playing he his his gap is here you've got to be able to counter that and do this to take away you know his strength um or his his responsibility and and to be able to to, to teach the mental part of that but but i think yeah anytime you've had a chance to play the game uh and and think the game through the quarterback's eyes i think it helps explain and helps coach those guys I think you're being humble as a player, an evaluation of you as a player. You're the male athlete of the year. You won a division, uh, division one double A title. I mean, you're a pretty darn good player. Did you, did you ever, ever, Jason, in your mind, think, hey, I, I think I have a shot at the NFL? I mean, I was, I was an option quarterback. So I was. Uh, did I grow up with dreams of playing in the NFL? Yeah, I think any young kid playing, they always, you know, in the backyard, always have those dreams and aspirations. Um, I was realistic, you know, um, the year that we had in 2002 when, you know, and we did, it was, it was the ultimate example, I think of, of team football and a team coming together. Uh, and, and I go back to those things that, you know, we were two and three to start the season, you know, lost to McNeese state, which was the team we eventually beat in the national championship. But it was, you know, you go back to those things you learn, you know, as a player, and how those come into play as a as, as a coach, and it's it's when you've experienced that of not being real good early, and then the team developing. That's why the you know football is the ultimate team sport, and and um, you know we had an unbelievable season um, from as bad as it was early to getting better and better and better to win ten in a row to win a national championship. And I think anytime you can experience that and be able to give examples and 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 uh, be able to you know, communicate that to players and understand, hey, look, as bad as it seems right now, there's a way to get better. We just got to continue the process and those things. And, um, you know, it, it was a fun season. And, you know, you think back to always the experiences and things you have as a player, as a coach, and, and those things come up from time to time that, you know, whether it's a story to share or whatever that may be, but uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a fun year. What in the world got you into coaching? I mean, you were a great student, you're a civil engineer major, which Honestly, I'm not quite sure what that is. So if you can fill me in a little bit on that, I'd appreciate it. But you certainly could have gone a different path. Why Why coaching? Well, going back to the whole being realistic about football, you know, I grew up in a, in a home where my dad was a football coach. Um, 
he was a head football coach at the high school that I went to, um, became a principal and superintendent and got away from the coaching. So early on, you know, education was very important in my, in my home. You know, my dad was, you know, very adamant that a hey, school came first. So, um, you know, as I, as I finished high school, had a chance, um, I ended up going to West Point. So I went to, you know, United States Military Academy for a year, found out that wasn't for me. I was an option quarterback. So that was an opportunity to play, you know, you know, division one football in a system that, that I'd played left there and went to Western. Um, uh, you know, again, it was realistic about that played, enjoyed it, loved it. Um, loved the team aspect of things. And, and, you know, wanted to, to be an architect, to build bridges and roads. And that's what civil engineering was. That was an interest of mine. So I did that. And in terms of getting into the coaching, even though I grew up on a football field and that's all I really knew, um, I never really knew how to get into the coaching part of things because of what I was doing, because of engineering. I mean, I was playing ball, but if I wasn't playing, then I was in labs or whatever that was. And, and school was, you know, it was a lot at the time, you know, in terms of the hours. So the summer before my senior year, uh, a mutual friend of mine and, and Coach Philip Fulmer um, introduced me to Coach Fulmer. Uh, he was in Bowling Green, Kentucky um, one day, and, and, and he introduced me to him. And Coach and I sat there and talked for a long time. And, you know, the, the question came up, hey, have you ever been interested in coaching? Um, and, you know, yes, I have. I just didn't know how to get into it. So we stayed in touch. Um and then fast forward, you know, whatever, seven or eight months later, um, you know, we won the national championship. One of the first calls that I received was from Coach Fulmer. And we had talked about, hey, are you interested in grad school and, you know, becoming a graduate assistant? And, you know, I was. But uh, because of that relationship of, of meeting him then and kind of staying in touch with him, um, as soon as I finished that, that season, I graduated that December. So I finished playing whatever December and then enrolled at the University of Tennessee in January, two or three weeks later. And, and, you know, I thought, well, shoot, I want to coach, you know, at least if I figure this out, if I do want to do a grade, if not, I get a chance to get my grad school paid for. Uh, and it didn't take long for once I got into that. I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but that kind of started that. But like anything that we do, you know, it's the relationships that you build. Um, it's the connections that you make, you know, having an opportunity. I played for Jack Harbaugh you know, Jim and John's dad in college. Yeah. So yeah. I knew the Harbaugh family yeah. really well. Um, and then obviously the relationship with Coach Fulmer and then those guys that you meet, um, Don Martindale, uh, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. He was the defensive coordinator uh, when I played. So that's another connection in, in terms of how I got into the NFL, of just those those relationships and connections that you build and, you know, um, staying true to that and, and, you know, keeping those things going. Last one for you, Jason. Coach Nick, you guys have worked together. Obviously, you know him very well. We're trying to get to know him. What what is he like off the field? What kind of does he have any hidden talents? I'm trying to get a get an idea of what other than I know he can win at ping pong and he's like a pop a shot expert and he's like Mr. Competitive. Anything that you can tell me about him, uh, you know, on the side, like does he have a, is he a good impersonator or anything like that? No, I, yeah, I don't have any impersonations for you. You know, <laughs> it's. It was. It's been such a unique deal. It's been so awesome to to, to spend the time with him. Um, going back, we were together a year in San Diego. We were apart for a couple of years, two years in, in India, and then obviously, you know, having an opportunity at, at, at the next step for you know, for for all of us here. In terms of impersonation, no, I mean nothing that completely stands out. You hit it. I mean, he is he is he's ultra competitive. 
um, he ties that into everything that we've always done, you know, and to, to be able to see, you know, the whole transition, it's been fun with Nick to, to go from position coaches together, to, you know, to work with him when he was a coordinator and now with, with Nick as the head coach, you know, uh, but just to see that and you know, going back to those, those relationships, you know, that, that's one of them. And then whenever you get an opportunity to work with a guy that, that you know, it, it helps. But, you know, those things always come up, whether it was poker night at his house with the coaches or whether it was, like you said, ping pong or, or, or pop a shot. It's always about, you know, you know, trying to create, you know, that camaraderie, that competitive edge. And and, and um, we did it as coaches. We did it. We, we do it as friends. We did it as coaches. And, and, and the team will do that. And, and, and it, it it feeds off of it. And, and creates uh, some, some fun times, and, and it carries onto the field as well. Basically, you're saying he's always putting himself in position to win. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, and and again, if if he doesn't, then there's going to be a rematch or, or whatever it is. If if you get him, then there's going to be a rematch. But but all those things of, you know, the 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 times that we've had the fun, you know, the camaraderie as coaches and things that we've done, you know, whether it was going to his house for poker night or whether it was, you know, you know at the office let's take a break from the meeting go out to the indoor and, and go out and play a game of horse or what it is um but but those those are the things that create the the, the relationship the friendships the stories um and 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 they've been fun and and, and will continue to be that way jason thank you so much for your time that was awesome dave thank you Looking for a unique experience for the young Eagles fan in your life? Eagles Virtual Youth Football and Cheerleading Clinics are now being offered on April 25th and May 16th. Register today at PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash clinics. And finally on this Eagles Insider Podcast, Jordan Howard comes back to the Eagles slim and trim, feeling good after a rough 2020. It's actually been rough for Jordan since midway through the 2019 season. He and Miles Sanders teamed up so well in the first half of that year, Howard was just sensational. And we remember the game against the Green Bay Packers. A couple of times, Jordan Howard found the end zone. Off the arm of Blake Martinez, setting up a screen. That is caught by Howard. He's a, a different kind of back, certainly as Sanders. It helps him. Here he is, swinging out. Howard will walk in for the touchdown. And they do. Howard is in for the touchdown. Survived a hit, fought his way in. Last year, though, Howard signed with Miami, was released by the Dolphins late in the season, came back to Philadelphia, seven carries, 27 yards, as he bounced between the practice squad and the active roster. He says he's in great shape. And when we spoke uh, recently, he was all fillied up, wearing an Allen Iverson jacket and pretty fired up about the NBA playoffs, as well as coming back to Philadelphia to play with the Eagles. Welcome, everyone. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro here with running back Jordan Howard back with the Philadelphia Eagles on a one-year deal. Jordan, welcome back to Philadelphia. I see you're repping the 76ers top to bottom here. The Allen Iverson jacket is sweet. Uh, Before we get into football, let's talk some hoops. Why Iverson? Why the Sixers? Uh, Iverson, like, when I was young, he was just always my favorite player, like, I loved everything about him, uh, how hard he played the game. Uh, he wasn't the biggest, um, but he just gave it every game. Like, and I just try to like match that, like his intensity. Like, nobody could ever knock him for his intensity. 
So are you telling me that at this point you're picking the Philadelphia 76ers to win the NBA championship? Let's get down to the basics here. Yeah, they have as good a chance as anybody. Uh, they're, they're rolling right now. Joe Embiid, um, before his injury, and now that he's back, he's playing at MVP level. So I feel like if he doesn't win the MVP, it's just because the games he missed. I love it. Let's talk football now. Jordan, why come back to Philadelphia? Why is this a good fit for you? I'm um, just a good fit for me. I'm comfortable with the city. I love the fans. Um, my teammates, just a uh, great place. Uh, new coaching staff, young. Uh, they're excited. They're ready to work. Uh, they're hungry because, uh, I mean, they're young, so people definitely going to count them out. So um, I love uh, playing with people who have a point to prove or just a chip on their shoulder like the underdog role. I think that people look at the Eagles and kind of not quite sure what to make of the team. As a running back, when you see that Lane Johnson will be back healthy and we hope Brandon Brooks is healthy and that this offensive line has a real chance, again, to be one of the best in the league, does that get you excited? Oh, it definitely gets me excited, especially as a running back. Uh, just knowing your offensive line is – you don't have to even worry about them. Know they're going to hold it down. But I definitely feel like a few people uh, forgot about how, how great the offensive line actually is because uh, there were so many injuries on the line last year. But um, they'll definitely see this year how – Great to offensive line is. I know it's a time when you really can't talk a lot of football with the coaches, but what kind of thoughts do you have about Nick Sirianni, head coach, Jamal Singleton, running backs coach? What kind of feel do you get from them? Uh, just uh, excited. They're, they're excited to get to work. Uh, uh, we're not sure when we're going to get to work, but we know when we get to work, it's going to be an exciting time. It's gonna, we're going to have fun, but we're also going to work hard. So I feel like it's going to be a, a pretty good season. Jordan, you've been in a bunch of systems in the league. Does that really factor into what responsibilities a running back has? I mean, you, you don't know exactly what is ahead for you here, but are the responsibilities basically the same from one team to the next for a running back? Um, pretty much. Uh, the terminology is different and stuff like that, but once you've been in a few offenses, uh, it makes it easier to pick up other offenses because you can uh, match the terminology uh, from an old offense to the new offense and um, you can go from there, but uh, for running backs, the responsibility is pretty much always going to be the same. Uh, run, block, and uh, catch. Jordan, the, the ups and downs of an NFL career, a lot of times they say that success is defined by how you handle the difficult times. And you've had some difficult times here since that shoulder injury back in 2019. How have you gotten through it? What lessons have you learned about yourself? Why do you think you're a better football player for it? Um, the injury, that was definitely tough uh, because... It was just like not knowing when it was going to get better. So I was just trying to be patient, uh, practicing patience. Uh, and then it was definitely my contract year. But uh, I really couldn't stress about it and worry about it because I knew uh, God was working uh, in my favor, like always. But uh, I just learned. Like, uh, and then last year with Miami getting cut and released, uh, never thought I'd be in that position. But uh, it definitely humbles you, but uh, makes you want to work harder, puts an even bigger chip on your shoulder if you already have one. But... Uh, you know, you just always want to prove people wrong when they doubt you. Do you think people are doubting you now? Oh, they, they definitely doubt me, but that's how I like it. Okay, you're back in Philly here. We don't know the role, the running back room with Boston, with Miles. Uh, how do you look at that group, and, and how do you think you fit in? Uh, I feel like we got all the talent uh, to compete with all the running back rooms uh, across the league. Uh, Miles, he can do everything. Boston can pretty much do everything. Uh, the young guys, they can do a lot of stuff too, but uh, we're all just going to come in and push each other. Uh, make each other better and hold each other accountable. 
What was 2020 like for you? Not necessarily from the standpoint of, hey, new team, but you go to Miami and you can't even get on the field in the summer. I mean, it took so long for training camp to arrive. How difficult was it assimilating into that scheme? Uh, it wasn't really difficult. I actually enjoyed it, uh, not having to come in and just getting to work out on my own. Uh, but I actually enjoyed it. I mean, some of the young guys and stuff, they probably didn't like it because they were missing out on, like, valuable information. But um, I felt like me being in my fifth year, um, I could handle that. So um, it wasn't really bad to me. All right, Jordan, let's look at 2021. And what kind of goals are you setting for yourself with this football team? Uh, just staying healthy uh, for myself personally and uh, the rest of the team. Just uh, been a healthy season because we had injuries here um, like crazy the last few years. But uh, just staying healthy, uh, just always playing hard each and every game, uh, giving our all, uh, just being consistent. What have you done in the offseason? What kind of training have you done? Where have you done your training? What kind of shape are you in? Uh, I've been training since like pretty much uh, since the season ended. Uh, so that's one thing about not playing that much last year. I was pretty fresh, so I was able to get a jump start on my uh, training. Uh, been lifting weights, been on the meal, meal plan since January, so I'm um, pretty great shape. Uh, it's probably been my best offseason so far. Last one, do you feel recharged having not really gotten the kind of work that you wanted to get for the last year and a half? Oh, I definitely feel recharged. Uh, my body feels fresh. Um, not all these little nagging injuries and stuff like that. Um, it's usually like out the season, you got to take time, let your body heal. But I didn't have to uh, take time off and I could just jump right into it. So I feel like that's been helping me have a great offseason so far. Jordan Howard, great to see you. Welcome back to Philadelphia. Looking for big things in 2021. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. That will do it for this Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. I want to thank Peter Kelly. I want to thank Ray Doyle. I want to thank Trevor Hayes for their great work. I want to thank all of you for joining us. Remember, next week, I'm going one-on-one with Nick, with Howie, with Andy, and we're going to get a, just a sense of where the Eagles are just hours before the 2021 NFL draft begins. Thanks, everyone, for joining. If you have a moment to drop us the five-star review, we would love it and really appreciate it. The offseason is about to get real here. It's been busy already. A new head coach, trading quarterback Carson Wentz, the Eagles have signed five players in free agency, all to one-year deals. Flexibility is how he said. Flexibility gives you options. And that's what the Eagles are looking for as they get try to get back here to the NFC East, top of the NFC East and the top of the NFC, top of the NFL as quickly as possible. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly. Hi, I'm Fran Duffy, host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, where every week we're going through scouting reports, big boards, mock drafts, and figuring out how prospects transition to the NFL. Listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found.